comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Jersey Shore Podcast. Welcome to Jersey Shore. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined as usual by... Paris, hey guys. And this week we're also joined by... Dave. Hey everybody. And uh, this is the next in our Netflix series. This is a movie I've wanted to do since the beginning. It was one of the first movies that I had in mind when we started doing this Netflix series, and I'm happy that we finally got around to it. As usual for a Netflix series, first we will talk about the movie in as non-spoilery detail as possible. We're going to spoil the first like 20 minutes of this I was movie. I I don't know how you can do that. Yeah, like... You have to spoil some of this movie, but even with it spoiled, it's not a problem. I, I've seen the movie multiple times. I knew 90% of the story before I saw it the first time, and it's still just... I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat yeah. the whole time. So we're going to talk about it in non-spoilery terms. Then we're going to talk about other movies that it makes us think of, um, or video games, or books, or television shows, whatever. And then, of course, for the last section, we will talk about it in full spoilery detail before giving you a preview of our next Netflix movie. So, The Imposter is a 2012 film. There are multiple movies with the name The Imposter or Imposter. Yeah. Um, you want the movie from 2012. It is a documentary. I'd say it's 99% documentary, and a few things are recreated for the documentary, but it's the real yeah. people in almost all the circumstances, etc. Um, it is a story of, I guess the best way to put it would be the story of two people. The story of Nicholas Barkley, who in 1993 was 13 years old, or 1994 was 13 yeah. years old, uh, and when he went missing from San Antonio, which is where he lived, and the other half of the story starts in 1997, when uh, the family of Nicholas Barkley gets a phone call from Spain saying, it's the craziest thing, but we just found your son, he's alive, he's been through a lot, he, he's very traumatized, but we have your son. He's ready to come home. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the movie's called The Imposter, so pretty good chance this is not really <laughs> Nicholas Barkley, and of Maybe. course, it's not Nicholas Barkley. You know from five minutes in that it's not him, because this is a movie about a man who impersonates another person. But what I love, I love many things about this movie, this mm-hmm. documentary, but it's told from his point of view. It is the yeah. real, let's call him a con man, the real con man telling you step by step they asked me this question, I did this. I knew I had to be prepared mm-hmm. for this bit of subterfuge, and so I prepared this and this other thing, and I had this ready to go if it didn't work, and I had you know this bag packed and ready yeah. to go if I had to run out the door, and it is fascinating. So, Dave, you've been a little quiet, so just first impressions of this movie, what'd you think? First impressions of the movie, I thought the movie started very slow, but... It's, it's a very deliberate opening. It's yeah. very, very slow. See, I disagree. I actually really like that kind of slow opening to it. Maybe just because I'm very tired, but yeah, I really like that, that slow opening. But sorry, I interrupted you. Continue. But no, it, it did start very slow, but I really did like the way you just get inside the mind of the of the con man, as you were saying, Jordan. Just the fact that like he goes through like every little detail of how he performed this and how he had to be on his toes and just... Just what he was thinking throughout this entire thing and why he even wanted to do it. It was it was just fascinating. It really was. And this is not just, you know, oh, I have to convince this family that I'm their son and I'm just a little mm-hmm. bit older. He had to convince, 
you know, the people at the American Embassy in Spain. Mm-hmm. He had to convince a Spanish judge. He had to conv- convince, you know, the FBI. And later on in the story, you've got Interpol being involved and stuff, and uh, a local p- private investigator, and the news, <laughs> like, local and national news is involved, because, hey, we found this missing person. That's a big story. Yeah. It is insane. Now, we said it's mostly documentary. Um, it's the real guy telling you his story. It's the real family of Nicholas Barkley, uh, or Barclay. They say it. Everybody says that. Even though some people have very strong accents, they all say Barclay, so very Barclay. specifically. So you have his real sister and mother and brother-in-law and nephew, people from that town. This isn't like a, a Bernie situation where it's people from that area-ish. This is the real people, um, which makes it Extra fascinating, I think, um, and then some of the you know you got found you got found footage, actual news footage of you know him being found and stuff, and then you have a few things like there'll be voiceover and you'll see the the fake Nicholas Barkley walking on a school bus, and so that's yeah. redone. Yeah. But that's the only part that's not you know like legit pure documentary, if you will. But I think even that's very documentary. It's very um, documentary style. But I mean, someone, it's not yeah. pure, if you will. As someone has who has parents. That watch a lot of those crime reenactment shows, like those are documentaries, but they have the actors reenacting it. Kind yeah. of, and I mean, and this does have the feeling of the best Dateline special you've ever seen. Yes. Kind of, oh, yeah. but I, I don't want to say that like a pejorative, like oh, it, it's okay, it's good for a Dateline special. Like it's one of those stories that you might see, you know. <laughs> For a while, I, I was working right near my dad, so I would eat lunch with him, and he would always watch those while we ate lunch. Yeah. And so I referred to it as the rape and murder lunch hour, oh, yeah, because yeah. that's essential. It was incredibly depressing. It's like a horrible thing to describe lunch with your father. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And it was I couldn't stand watching them, but he loves the true crime things. Yeah. But this feels like that, only super well done. Like, mm-hmm. it's shot beautifully. There's a lot of work with the sound that is gorgeous, yeah. um, where they, they play around with it. You know, they'll, they'll mess with it so you're hearing it like it's through a telephone at certain points. There's a lot of cool syncing of shots where they would have a recreation of something like him walking through the bus or him talking to somebody and he would be saying something, but it was the voiceover saying it, but it was the recreated scene where he's matching the lip movements of that or where some other somebody else would say something and he'd be matching their lip movements. And so you'd hear him saying it, but you'd see them saying it fascinating work with that. I've never really seen something quite like it in a documentary, but I thought it was really cool, and, and especially, you know, how they played around with the sound that way. For the most part, I agree. There's there's one or two shots where it was him in, I guess, whatever... What is that mode called when they're just talking to the camera? Um, that'd be a talking head, would probably be or a one-shot. Yeah, where it maybe. would be him, and they did a lot of artistic with someone else talking about him, and it would be... Him smiling, or you know that dramatic like, look. smiling in a way like they're saying like, oh, and he told us this, and he'd be like smirking like I got him, or they'd be yeah. saying something, and he'd be looking on like that's nonsense, you're lying. And or, it's a lot, and there were a lot of forlorn looks, and those kind of bother me because I, a lot of times in film I think about how those shots are done, and so it would involve people being like, all right, now look forlorn, look down, now look up for us, look at the camera. Like I get what you're saying, but I yeah. thought it was effective. Like, and f- for all we know, they really showed him these interviews and f- recorded his reactions to them. And because it's yeah. the real guy, and s- not I'm not even saying spoilers. He's a little crazy. Like yeah, somebody oh yeah. who impersonates somebody else in this way, and and whatever. 
something's off. Like, I could totally see him. He's an attention uh, getter. He wants oh, yeah. to be the center of attention. And so I could buy that he would really watch those those and give his honest-to-goodness reactions to them. Yeah. Quote-unquote, honest-to-goodness. I actually really liked the way they did all the camera work and everything in this movie. I thought it just kind of... Mm. For a documentary, it had really, like, artistic camera angles and just had, like, even the exposure on the film they used from time to time. It was really, really nice. And it just kind of got you out of the whole, like, law and order, like, crime drama type thing and really just kind of... I feel like the way they did the camera work almost, like, sucked you into the movie more because you didn't feel like you were watching some made-for-TV um, true crime right. show. Right, and, like and this was not made-for-TV. This was an yeah. American-British co-production, you know, legit documentary, yeah. you know theatrical release as far as I know. But even as, like, theatrical documentaries go, like, it just felt like it was more enjoyable to watch by the way they shot it and the way they just did the, like, visual production of it. I've watched many documentaries that are, like, you know, made for theaters, and it's like, all right, I'm sitting here watching a documentary. I feel like I could be sitting on my couch doing this at home. Why'd I pay, like, $15 to go see this? Yeah, I mean, this was legitimately beautifully shot. Yeah. Like, there was some handheld stuff or old VHS footage, whatever. But I feel like with that, it added to it. Like, you, yeah. Especially, like, if you get the authentic video, like, footage in the documentary, it just, like, adds to, like, you getting more of a backstory about what's going on in there. Um, what do you think of the music? I, I think at least, I think both of you sung along to at least one song when it came on a lot of... Uh, what did I sing along to? I forget which one it was. I can't remember the name of the song. A lot of kind of like Charlie Daniels feel type stuff. Like bluegrassy, classic rock type stuff. Used effectively, used sparingly. Not a lot of music in the movie. Yeah. Mostly like in between like major chapters, if you will. This is also interesting in that it didn't... A lot of documentaries I've seen recently, and I really like documentaries. We've probably talked about it before, but I... I've we've, talked like a lot of, of, we've done a lot of documentary-style stuff. Yeah. So. A lot of them that you see will have those chapter headings that'll come up where it's, you know... We're going to tell this part, portion of the story, then there's a you know text comes up on the screen giving you the next chapter, and now we're going to talk about this type of thing. This didn't really have that. This was beginning to end. Kid goes missing... A couple years later, they get this phone call, mm. and then just telling you step by step how he got away with it, or did he? And that's kind of the question of the movie, like, how long is this ruse going to last? And we'll talk about how long it lasted or didn't last in the in the spoiler section. I mean, obviously, it's being filmed, so theoretically, people yeah. know what's up now. No, they still think that he's, yeah. <laughs> it's the most covert documentary ever. It could be um, these people sitting in, the, like, in their chairs watching the movie, like, Man, this guy's like t- making a video of how he did it, and he's still going on with this ruse. This is really good. <laughs> um, but so it's just it's telling you step by step, and there's a few times they play around with time, like they'll jump back to something you saw earlier and give you a little bit more information or show you from a different point of view. But for the most part, it's very linear and brings you up pretty much to the mo- to the modern day. I guess 2008 ish is the last time you like because you know at the end of any documentary, pretty much you yeah. get the. Uh, Jimmy Smith is now living in in Florida with his you know with his kids and grandma and uh, he now works at a tile resurfacing you know business or whatever those type of things uh, the last one we get is like 2008 is like the final bit of information yeah. but so it, it's pretty linear in, in that way um, and I thought it was I mean again I was telling these guys beforehand and I might have said it on the last episode when we we're previewing it I've gotten a lot of people to watch this movie. Every single person I've convinced to watch The Imposter was like, that was awesome. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, including everybody in my family, except for one sister who hasn't seen it yet. Everybody, and to get us all to agree on a movie in my family is 
It doesn't happen. I just don't bother watching movies with I my family. I feel like you've said that multiple times now, though. It's true. It's really true. We do not agree on movies. No, but I feel like there have been multiple movies. Where like, we don't agree on movies, but we agreed on this. Bernie and this one. Okay. Pretty much all. And that was, Bernie was one my mom got me to watch. But I think even one of my one or two of my sisters was like, eh. And like this, we were all like, mm. boom, awesome. What else can we say in the non-spoiler portion? Um, I don't know if we can say anything else in the non-spoiler yeah, portion. Yeah, it's really, hmm. It's very hard to talk about this movie and not want to tell somebody what's happening. I have, I have a feeling the spoiler section is going to be quite long, yeah. longer than normal on this one. Everyone's really redneck. I mean, it's a lot of rednecks. It's San Antonio. Yeah, um, very redneck. I think the music that they use accentuates the fact that, hey, these people are a bunch of hicks out in the country that are really trying to believe that this person is their son. Well, there's even a cool scene pretty early on in the movie where the guy, when he first gets to the U.S. after posing as as Nicholas Barkley, he gets there and he's like, so I look out the window and when you think, you know, I'm I'm from Europe, when I think the U.S., I think big cities and lots of people and hustle and bustle. Mm. I look out the window and there's like a, a... tricycle on its side out in the lawn some random dog and a dog and windmills and just fields and dust and And then I hear the banjo music (laughs) I kept paddling no um, and so yeah I can you know that's not what you think of when you think quintessential America quote unquote you know it's San Antonio looks a lot like Pennsylvania from what I could tell in this movie like it looks like coal mining town kind of or a wheat farming town we said it, but it sounds amazing. What they do it sounds really cool. It's gorgeously shot. All the the one shots, the, the the talking heads are really effective. I thought they are for for the most part. And they play a lot with what point of view and and the tone. I want to get to in the spoiler section, but let's not get to it now because I'm, I'm going to step too far if I keep talking. So shall we move into our recommendations section, gentlemen? Yes. Sure. Alrighty, uh, Pierce, you gave us one recommendation earlier on before we even started recording, so why don't you start off with that one? And I was it you that made us watch this one? I think yeah, I think it may have been the one who t- turned you okay. on to this movie. Uh but Catfish. Another movie about people and who are they? <laughs> who are these people? Um And so, there's a TV show. Have you seen the TV show? I have not watched any of it. No, I don't even know what it's about. Like, I think it's the filmmakers behind Catfish tracking down other identity thieves and Okay. Well so we should say this, you can't really talk about Catfish without spoilers. So this is going to be a spoiler of Catfish. But it's a movie about people not being who they really are. P- people pretending to be other people online. Or yeah. are they? Or can you trust what people tell you online about themselves? Very fascinating. People, yeah. it, there's a lot of controversy over how much of it is yeah. real or fake. And so, yeah, but as a entertaining hour and a half or whatever exactly. it is... As an interesting hour and a half or whatever it is, I, I think it's well worth it. Dave, you've seen it too, right? Yeah. And what did you think of Catfish? Okay, I thought Catfish was amazing. It It is one of those movies that literally makes you rethink like everything you do online, everybody you talk to online that you haven't met in person. Yes. <laughs> with, you know, which with people our age, it's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that I would consider myself pretty good friends with. Well, I've never met. Yeah, same. You know. Same. Even uh, the, the other guys from HHWLOD, like, I've met a few of them. Very nice guys. And I've talked to some of the others many, many times and podcasted with them, but, you know, I've only met a few of them. And so, who knows? Brad Milo could be a 50-year-old woman from uh, Saskatchewan, for all I know. I really doubt it, since people I've met have met him, and Brad, you really don't sound like a 50-year-old woman from Saskatchewan. Congratulations. I don't know where that is, (laughs) so I, you know. Saskatchewan's Canada. 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's yeah, also very fun to say, which is why when I need a random city, I almost always go to Saskatchewan. So catfish, uh, excellent, excellent yeah. um, uh, thought. One I've probably mentioned before on the podcast, but it bears repeating. And I think both of you have also seen this one. I love you, Philip Morris. I was going to yes. say that too. With Jim Carrey. Uh, Jim Carrey plays, uh, it's another based on a true story thing. Um, there's some facts that are fudged a little bit here and there, but it's Jim Carrey plays a con man, a real-life con mm-hmm. man who broke out of jail like four times, faked his own death mm-hmm. while in prison. The movie's insane, and it's I, I'm not a big Jim Carrey guy, but I love serious Jim Carrey, or mostly serious Jim Carrey. I was about to say, I wouldn't say this is serious Jim Carrey. This is still pretty funny, but it's not slapstick, whoa, rubber face stuff. It's, it's more along the lines of, the Truman Show or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with more funny stuff in it. I would I would say it's more akin to Liar Liar, where really yeah hear, hear me out not the style of humor though which is what I'm really pointing but towards. but it he's he's acting but it's still got a comedic side to it. I hear what you're saying. Ah, okay, so now the more I think about the Truman Show, I think it would be probably more along the lines of that. It's but, the Truman Show but funnier. Yeah, I think that, all right, that, that's a better way. But to not, say. I mean, it's not the same plot or tone as the Truman Show. But I mean, he's he's playing a character. It's not like we talk about with Bernie. It's not Jack Black. It's Jack Black as Bernie. Yeah. You know, it's it's not uh, Jim Carrey. It's Jim Carrey, Carrey, not as Philip Morris because Philip Morris is Hugh McGregor's part. Yes. But um, whatever that guy's real name was, whatever is yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not a family friendly movie. Nope. But it's nope. No. Nope, really nope. good. Um, I really enjoy that one. Uh, I think we could also. I mean, it's a throwback at this point, but say Bernie. I think Bernie is. Very so I was going to recommend Bernie. If you if you listened to the last Netflix episode and didn't want to see Bernie, and you were intrigued by this one, try watching Bernie. Yeah, I, it was. Well, I mean, it was another documentary in Texas. So yeah, I mean, this is much of, more documentary, documentary. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. For one, that's a non-documentary one. I would actually recommend Memento. That's another movie that I went in knowing a good deal of what happens in the movie. And a good deal of the premise of the movie, and even watching it still, I was completely floored by seeing that. That's a good outside-of-the-box recommendation. Uh, Christopher Nolan film, of course. Um, excellent movie, if you've never seen it. Um, and it's good for a couple rewatches, just like this is, just like Perny is. It's um, one you can have like a really good hold on what's going to happen in the movie before seeing it, and watch it and still be like you know pretty taken back by what happens. So. Well, if we're going to talk Memento... Two other good suggestions then would be other Christopher Nolan films. Um, the Following, which was his first movie. It's like 45 minutes long, black and white. Mm-hmm. Really good. I'm pretty sure it's available on Netflix. As is Memento right now, I think. Yes. And The Prestige, which yeah. may be on Netflix. I'm not sure. One of my favorite movies of all time. My favorite of his. Um, all movies about people pretending to be things or people they aren't. Um, in one yeah. way or another, or not knowing the truth, or trying to uncover the truth. There's deception involved in high. Oh, there's deception. Well, let's list movies that involve deception. But no, you know what I mean. Like, which movie, which one of those ones are you saying you don't agree with? Prestige, like very different. It's more in, thematic, believe. Well, no, not even thematic. That's a trying to figure it out. This is from the beginning. You know, this is a ruse. How did this guy go through it? And I think that's a big difference. It's not, let's uncover this mystery, it's how did I get away with it. So in that regard, I think it's almost more like a heist movie, because you're... you're it's see- definitely a heist movie. Yeah. I was thinking that while watching uh, it. it. I would argue it's more along the lines of, like, an Oceans than a Prestige. Yeah, well, I, the Oceans is another great example, though. The original or the remake, I love both. Yeah. 
Um, I don't like 12, but I like 13 quite a bit. Actually, see, 12 was my favorite. Really? Because I feel like Matt Damon... You're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Matt Damon had a bigger role in that, and I just have... Is that the one where he had the bigger nose? Is that why you're saying he had a bigger role? Well, or is that the third one? In, no, in either 12 yeah. or 13, he has a big nose. At well, one that's, that's the one where, where the, it, his parents have to bail him out in the end. I don't It's been a long time since I've seen 12. I just remember not liking it or yeah. really thinking it was that clever. I don't know. But yeah. um, So what other movies do you know the, the secret from the beginning, and it's just more finding out how it was done? Because that's, that's a kind of a very specific yeah. feel, but it's absolutely, you're absolutely right, Pierce. Can you think of any, Dave, or... Because oh, uh, I'm having a hard time can't. thinking of any off the top of my head. I mean, it's a weird choice, but there's a Canadian TV show called Continuum, which I've watched the first two seasons of. It's about time travel, but you're following a policewoman from the future who travels back in time accidentally mm. and is trying to help the police from our time catch some crooks from the future, or terrorists from the future, who also went back in time at the same time she did. And so there's some of that where... You're seeing it from her point of view, and she's the one who's constantly having to lie to protect herself, but also to help these people. And so it's very different stories and things like that, but from that same very specific plot thread of you know the lie from the beginning, but how do you find out how it plays out? Kind of the same feel. Um, It's it's a little bit different, but it's more along the track of, you know, something that makes you root for the bad guy. I think it's called Law-Abiding Citizen. Um, have not seen it, but I know what you're referring to. Yeah, I think it's Gerard Butler or whatever, where he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow this place up," and they're like, "What?" And throughout the entire movie, you really, you root for him. You don't root for the main character. And I just thought that. I mean, that's close, but yeah, it's really hard to think of something that like, <laughs> makes me think of two movies now, both with Denzel Washington. I, I think I have one of the ones you might mention. Well, I, oh, was no, thinking, I haven't seen all of Deja Vu, uh, but... I was thinking Inside Man. Inside Man, although that one I don't think you know from the beginning everything. That one's you don't know from you don't, out. Yeah, you don't know everything from the beginning, but you know a good deal from the beginning. Kind of like this movie. like You know a good deal of what's happening from the beginning of the movie, but then as, it, as you get deeper into the movie, everything starts to be like, you know... Explained. Un- explained, yeah. revealed, and yeah. Another one, and this is based on something you said, where a movie where you root for the bad guy, and I'm not saying you're rooting for the bad guy in this movie, but it's a maybe a good person doing some really bad things. John Q? I don't know. Um, it's another Denzel Washington movie where, it's been a long time since I watched it, but I remember really liking it, where he basically, like, takes a, a hospital prisoner, you know, we, we, you know, he's, he's got, he's armed, and he's, he's trying to get, like, a transplant for his son or something, but he takes the hospital prisoner, basically, until they give, you know, put him on the list for the heart transplant or whatever it was. Um, and I remember liking it quite a bit. But I can't remember many of the specifics. So that means I should probably revisit it. Yeah, probably. Um, have we re- exhausted our recommendations, and should we move on to the spoiler portion? I think so. This one yeah. brought out a lot of recommendations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of surprising ones. Yeah. Uh, your yeah. memento is really good, in particular. Um, so, if you don't want to know anything about this movie, uh, other than what we've already said, cut out now, I highly, I cannot stress how highly I recommend this movie to everyone. There's a little bit of strong language here and there, uh, and that's pretty much it in terms of objectionable content, yeah. depending on what you consider objectionable, but I cannot recommend this movie highly enough, so even if you want to stop right now, watch it, it's on Netflix, hence the title, Netflix, uh, of yeah. the series, um, watch it, it's on Netflix Instant, come back, listen to the end of this, or at least go out and read the Wikipedia article about the real guy, um, I'll give you this spoiler right now, his name, his real name is Frederick Bourdine, um, but look up the movie The Imposter on Wikipedia, there's a link to his page, or, or just read that, it is... Absolutely fascinating. So, without any further ado, 
spoilers begin now for all of the movie. So you know from the beginning he's yeah. not really Nicholas Barclay, yeah. he, but you find out eventually his real name is Frederick Bourdin. Um, he is a not a 16-year-old Texan boy. He is a 23-year-old French-Algerian man who has passed himself off as children before for various periods of time. I think this is the longest. This is like six yeah. or eight months or something, but he'd done it for like two, three months at a time from various families. To get into shelters. To, but yeah. also with families. They don't make that really clear with the movie, but he had done it with other families, I right. believe, from reading through the history. He's basically the whole reason why he's wanted by Interpol for the... Uh, yeah, this guy, the whole time, he's living with his family in Texas. They're like, this is our son. He doesn't look anything like the guy. Different color hair, different color eyes, different ears, as we yeah. find out. Very different person. He speaks with a French accent. Dark, no, darker uh, skin, where they're very white. Obviously French, not like ha ha ha. Like you know, I wouldn't have picked not it out stereotypical as, French. Is what yeah, you're saying. well, but I'm saying I would not have picked it out as a French accent. There, you know, something started, European, but you wouldn't. Yeah, really exactly. Yeah, is that Brussels? Is it French? Is well, it, I mean, because it started in Spain. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound Spanish, but I don't know what else it would be. You know, so yeah. So you find out he's done this before. You find out the family is just like this is our son, even though. It's clearly not their son, but they've convinced the FBI, they've convinced the U.S. Yeah. Embassy, this guy's got a passport now, all these things, to the point where the guy, Frederick Bourdin, who again, you're seeing this whole thing from his point of view, he's starting to get really freaked out by what is going on here, because why are these people lying for me? Because either they're the dumbest mm-hmm. people I've ever met, or they are actively lying to say I'm their son, why would they yeah. do that? Well, he even said, you know, like... I don't have to be Columbo to put the pieces together. They murdered him. He begins to suspect, or at least tells us this in the movie, that either the the mother, the sister, or the brother, most likely the brother who died from a drug overdose uh, soon after this, um, before the movie was made, killed Nicholas Barclay, and the other people might not have participated, but they knew and they covered yeah. it up, and so now they're pretty much forced to lie and say that this is really him returned because otherwise it's going to open some questions they don't want to answer. Yeah. And now I, before he Columboed it, <laughs> um, I, I had kind of started to put the pieces together. You, you called it about five minutes before yeah. they revealed it. Yeah. Um, as did my mom, I remember, because I, I was taken aback by that. I had not thought that that was going to be the reveal. Because yeah. again, I had read up on this and there was nothing really about those suspicions in what I'd read. And so when that happened, my jaw like hit the floor like, oh crap. Maybe they did kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could totally buy that they did. And both of you, from the few minutes of conversation we had before we started recording, but after we watched the movie, both of you pretty much seem to be in Bourdain's camp that this family really did kill or at least cover up the murder of oh, their, absolutely. their son. Yeah, I don't even know if it's... I would even go as far as to say cover up the murder. They at least are covering up something. Like, you can't tell if he was murdered or not, but they're covering up the disappearance of their son. They're actively masking some sort of issue that happened with their son, like, leading to his disappearance. Especially the mother. Like, I, I, just the mother in that thing, like, I mean, she's really the only, the only two people from the family you really hear from are the mother and the sister, but, I don't, and that yeah. other guy, I don't know, really know who. He, he was the, the sister's husband. The yeah. sister's husband, yeah. The mother just has something weird going on about her. Like, well, throat cancer. <laughs> well, yeah, besides, besides the fact that she has throat cancer, she's just very... She just seems to skirt around a lot of things. She doesn't really a- seem to answer questions, and she ends a lot of things with, like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer to that question. Like, She was deadpan. There was no emotion. Yeah. To be fair, though, keep in mind, this movie was made after all this happened. 
Yeah. After she had been accused of murder, there yeah. was an open investigation accusing her of murder that was eventually closed. There was no evidence. They couldn't find anything. Yeah. I'd probably be pretty reserved and uptight about the whole thing, too. Well, she was also blatantly crazy. Like, the, the FBI woman was like, hey, we just need some DNA for a blood test. And she threw herself on the ground so that she couldn't be taken in. Well, but, I mean, you had a couple instances where the FBI lady and the family disagreed on facts of what had actually happened, mm-hmm. including even her and Frederick, I think, had disagreed on a few things that had happened. But it's interesting because, you know, we talked with Bernie how that movie had a very strong point of view. It's that we want you to fall in love with Bernie, yeah. and then, spoilers for the last episode, when Bernie is taken in and, and put on trial, we want you to be on Bernie's side. Yeah. And I kind of wish that the movie took more of a neutral. neutral position and let us, you know, gave us, there's lots of stuff for both sides. I thought that would have been a more interesting movie, even though I liked Bernie a lot. This is a movie that does it in it's something different, which is interesting, is it starts out, you know what's going on. Yeah. So for the first, it's, a, it's an hour and 48 minute movie. For the first, or 38 minute movie, yes, sorry. For the first hour, hour 10, you were firmly in the, in the point of view of, wow. This guy is a horrible person. Oh, I didn't think that at all. But well, well, but who is lying to this traumatized family. Yeah. I feel so bad for this family, the sister and the mother. And yes, they're kind of weird rednecks or whatever, but I, my heart still goes out to him. This, I feel terrible about this. He, you know, And they're traumatized by this whole thing. And then it takes this abrupt left turn where all of a sudden you're like, Oh, wait, maybe they're monsters. Yeah. Maybe, yes, he is a wanted criminal and a con man and has ruined people's lives before and will do it again in the future, or at least in the future of where this movie takes place. But maybe these people are literal murderers. Mm-hmm. And that's super creepy. And then it takes another left turn at the end where it tries to then buy it back and point out keep in mind, Frederick Bourdain may be literally insane. And at the very least, even if he's not actually crazy, he is a methodical liar. He, exactly. He you know, lies on purpose for attention, constantly to get what he wants, to get himself on camera, to get himself whatever he needs or whatever he wants. He will lie about anyone and anything. He even says the only person he cares about is himself. He is as near as a person that I, that I have ever seen truly chaotic neutral. Sure. Um, but also, uh, there's a term I'm looking for. Who's a person who's just out for themselves? Like, what's the Greek? Um, narcissism? Narcissist? Yeah, like that, that I, I guess that's narcissist, what I'm thinking of. yeah. That, just that narcissist of, it is all about him. Yeah. Everything is about him. And so I loved how, it didn't take a neutral point of view in the micro. Scene to scene, you were either on his side, or on their side, or then towards the end, a little bit more in the middle. But it, it compartmentalized it, and so it made... I think as a whole, looking from, from the from the maxi point of view, it is very neutral. But in the moment, in, in the very small mm. moments, it takes a very strong point of view one way or the other. And I like that. See, I think, I, I felt like the entire time it took his point of view. And maybe that's because... Well, it absolutely took his him. point of view, but I should say, like, the point of view towards the family. Are they victims or are they perpetrators? Yeah. Like... And that's the point of view that I think goes back and forth. That's that's fair, but at no point in the time, at in, in any point in time, was I sympathetic with the family. Really? No, not even at the beginning. I wasn't either. Like honestly, from the beginning of the movie, I was like, "Wow, these people 
are either so grief-stricken that they just want to believe anything, or they are really dumb. Like, But see, I buy, I bought the grief-struck, and I think you did at least in the beginning, Pierce, because of some of the things you were saying. I was, I was torn, but say what you're going to say, and then I'll go again. In that, you know, you got to put yourself in the position of somebody like this, and even Frederick Bourdain says at one point in the movie, you know, if, if I had a kid, and that kid went missing, and all of a sudden I was told... We found your kid, and I got there, and it didn't seem exactly right, but just that chance of having, you know, I'd be on a plane tomorrow if I thought that kid was my kid, and, you know, you've got the, you know, the kid who went missing was pre-puberty, he's 13, the guy they find is, in in real life, 23, but pretending to be post-puberty, like 16, or late puberty, at least, he's got the story of, you know, a sex ring that he was kidnapped into and just torture and rape and all these things that had happened to him. To ex- He had an explanation for everything, from the different hair color to the different eye color to broken bones. And, and it's one of my favorite... It's weird. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie just because the lies that he constructed to make these people believe it were so well thought out. And, and keep in mind, you know, we're down on this family, but yes, in the beginning... He's fooling family, but in the beginning, he's also fooling the FBI. Yeah. Like, and she admits, like, I, I, I totally bought what this guy was telling me. And what he's telling her is insane, you know, because what solution do you put in your eyes to change the eye color, Dave? Does that sound like a real thing to you? Because it certainly doesn't sound like a real thing to me. It sounds like something out of James Bond. Yeah. Um, it sounds like something that could be, I mean, not like an actual solution to change the eye color, but something like... That messed with your eyes enough to change the pigment of your eyes. That sounds. Don't you believable. think if that was a real thing, people would be doing it cosmetically? I don't think that made people want needles stuck <laughs> well, in their okay, eyes. So. Right, no, so, they, they said solution slashes. So, so, needles is a different thing. But my, all right. I know it's not angry. I'm not angry. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is going to seem like a tangent, but I'm going to bring it back around. You guys are both very familiar with Community, right? The television show Community. Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. And the character Britta. Who took one psych course and instantly feels like she knows everything psychological. And you're going to say that's me? I'm going to take that role. Oh, I, oh for you? Oh, for okay. me. I right thought you were going to say that was me. Right now, I'm going to take that role. I have taken two or three psych courses, okay? I should get my sister here. She, she, she like, has a minor in psychology. Well, there you go. So she's um, like, uh, is it Dennis or Dean? It's always sunny. One of them never finished their major in psychology, and the other finished their minor in psychology, and so there's a the constant argument over who knows more about psychology. <laughs> Um, not to mention, and Dave and Jordan can both attest to this, I'm a magnet for cray-cray. All of those traits, like someone that just got out of being imprisoned in basically this torture camp, doesn't instantly want to go on national television about it. Like, there should have been so many... That was like six months later, though, I think. Okay, then they didn't make that very clear. But there was just a lot of very obvious thing that when the psych guy was talking about it, I'm like, thank you. Like, this should be obvious that this, he did not go through any of this. Yeah, I mean, the first first big person to throw up a red flag was the psychologist who interviewed him. Then it was the public, private investigator. And the ears, which yeah, I still find funny. No matter how many times I say this movie, that guy is so fixated on the ears. Um, and the ears being different, and that's how he knew. But re- real quick, if I can go back to the family thing, what sure, we were sure. talking about before. They started to fade out on something that I wish they had let him finish, the private investigation. Oh, Charlie Parker, I think his name was. He started talking about, it's like when you go to your class reunion, and I knew which direction he was going to take it. Like, And I think that's why they faded it, because you, can, you, can, you know exactly where, where going. You look at someone... And you don't recognize them, but you see the name tag, and your mind makes it fit. And 
Oh, <laughs> keep going, keep going. Sorry. Okay. I have a recommendation, another one. It's um, it's a TV show, for, I think it was a Showtime show, called the... No, no, it was early FX, maybe. It's called The Riches, and starring um, uh, Eddie Izzard and his family uh, in the show, who are a family of, of con persons, if you will, who impersonate people. And the first time you meet them in the first episode, they're at a high school reunion, like a 25-year high school reunion, pretending to be someone who didn't show up to steal money from purses while they're there. Um show kind of went off the rails towards the end of the second season, but there's a lot of fun stuff in there. But So that's okay. another recommendation. All right, so, but so, so anyway, so high school... So my point to, uh, to buying... Well, all right, so going back to the parents or the, the family buying into this, I took it in one of three directions. The first being, they're just dumb rednecks, and they saw what they wanted to see, and they were, they were finally... Or needed to see. Or needed to see. Two, and, and before they re... Before... Uh, what, what's the guy's name? Frederick Bourdain. Uh, Frederick. Before he reiterated, I, this was the part that kept replaying in my mind, and why a couple of minutes beforehand I, I pulled out the, the possibility what happened, is when he, they first met, she bought into the he doesn't have memory and kept going with the, this is this person, yeah. this is this person, do you remember them? You remember this person? You remember this person? She had a photo like, book and just kept yeah, going. Yeah, and just kept picture. going over every person. And you thought that was suspicious? I... I thought it was one of two... I... Yes. I thought it was... She saw that it wasn't him. And was willing to take him in and just go with it. I didn't think malicious intent until some some more pieces started to fall together. But I was like, this could very well go in the direction of... She realized this is a total fraud, but she so wants it to be someone, to be anyone, that she's willing to just... Let this guy go and roll with it, and this is where it's going to go. But, I mean, I think with, with just about everything in this movie, which I really love, all those things could go either way. Like, just about any bit of evidence, quote-unquote evidence, that he goes, this is, this is why I think they killed him, or this was suspicious. There is an equally good answer of a family, a, a family in trauma would do this versus a family with malicious intent would do it. Like, for almost everything, you could go, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation that says... They were innocent and traumatized, or they were malicious and trying to cover it up. And I, and I, I particularly love that, that so many things can be you know, pinned to either thing. Well, what I'm saying is that, there's, that my initial impression with that was a third option of... They just wanted it to be anybody because exactly. they were... But that to me goes to trauma. They, they just want... They just need, okay, because they, their son is gone, they just need somebody. And even if they realize it's not him. Okay, yeah, that's fair. They're falling under trauma. Okay. Just like with his, you know, just like when you go to his things, like all the things he had to lie about where the things he would do with his body, um, you know, his posture and stuff. Yeah. All those things work for someone who's being malicious and trying to fake being someone else or someone who was legitimately traumatized, you know, in the slavery ring, you know, going through Europe. Well, that's why I was so disappointed because he started so strong and so well and he had all those cues down. The being defensive, you know, the primal more animalistic because that's what children more revert to in situations like that and and he was so spot on with all of that but then when he got to america it's he started to lose it he went to thought he was safe well he well he but he went too big with it because he's the narcissist he's got to have that that's true yeah if he had never gone on the news they probably would have just all rolled with it and he would have never gotten caught 
You know, I and to be fair, if I remember correctly, it was Dateline who came to him. Dateline was like, "We we heard about the story. We've got to do this." And well, he was the one that agreed. That was the thing. True, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But be, and again, it goes to the narcissism. Yeah, and exactly. to, you know, he's you know he thought he was safe, and it's okay, his. Hey, um, look, I've got this great lie that I'm like it's catching all these people cool. up. Yeah, you know, yeah. You return the scene to the crime, and you know, do all those things. Yeah, so. Um, what else? But by the end, we find out that he is in as of 2008. I think it is. Lives in France with a wife and th- two or three kids. Three kids, yeah. Um, from what I've read, he is now fully assimilated into society. This is after he spent like eight years in prison or five years in six prison, years, whatever six, it is. Yeah. But for somebody who had done this multiple times before and tried to do it again after this story took place, like and he was even making phone calls from prison, pretending to be yeah, and that stuff. was odd. You know, it's amazing. You know, you got to wonder, like, are we going to find out in a few years that, oh, he did it again? I mean, I guess at a certain point, you lose the ability to pretend to be a teenager. Especially since he was balding. Yeah. Because that was his Then you pretend to be somebody's husband that disappeared. Well, and that's true. You have a yeah. wife and three children that you all, you just somehow come back to after years. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> I'm a doctor now. Let me cut you up. No, um, yeah, that'd be pretty bad. Family. Oh, they, I was going to say about the Interpol thing. Because the private investigator was like, oh, he was wanted by Interpol, this is a big deal, and, you know, everyone's like, Interpol, and then I saw the charges, I'm like, that's it? Well, people, in, for some reason, people in America have, like, this blown-up idea of what Interpol is. It's just yeah. international police. It's basically, it's like when you have federal crimes here, it's because, usually, it's because somebody crossed state lines at some point, yeah. or committed a crime in two states, you know, something like yeah, that. And, and, and basically, that's what Interpol is for Europe, you yeah. know. Uh, not to mention, though, like... I see his crimes less as crimes. Like, it's not like he murdered. It's not like it was a guy, and if he'd been doing it for years, probably at one point a young guy. Um, Serially stealing identities. And passing himself off as... Not in a, I'm going to get a bunch of money. It's, I want a place to live. He wants love and he wants shelter. So, you know, I... Great. He's still breaking international laws. It's still identity theft in multiple countries, too. And traumatizing families. Regardless of your thoughts of this particular family, he was fully willing to traumatize families across the globe by pretending to be their lost loved ones. That's one of the most horrible things you can do to somebody. Like, short of raping or murdering. Yeah, but it would have been a win-win since they get a person and he gets... Until the story comes out, and it always did. Uh, Yeah, that's true, it did. So... <laughs> I like that we've gotten so charged over this movie. Yeah, this is the this is exactly what I wanted. I was about to say this is probably the best I think Netflix we've done. Honestly. It's, it's such a, it's like I said, it's like the movie that when I started, I was like, oh, we got to watch this, and then I kept getting pushed back because I'd see something and be like, yeah. oh, I want to watch this, I want to watch that. So speaking of Netflix, uh, Pierce, you are up next for choosing a movie, and you've got big shoes to fill after we just watched this one. So what are you choosing for our next? Uh, and I'm going to let movie? everybody down. No, so I I looked at the last several films that we've done and they've been documentary-ish. Or based on a true story or some doc- some handheld yes. element. Or really depressing. Requiem for a Dream, that's your fault. Yeah, I know. Um, so I'm going to go with a genre that I think I'm the only one that's a fan of um, and go a little different. We've talked about this. You know exactly what it is. I'm, I'm forgetting though because you gave me several options of what you might pick next so I don't know exactly which one you're going for. Uh, and I can't remember if which one's on Netflix and maybe it's both and we'll do both of them but uh, True Grit. Oh, great. Okay, sure. So I'm a big fan of westerns and uh, I thought well, why don't we switch it up and do a western? 
So that's going to be my pick. And I have seen the remake. I've not seen the original. I'm not a big John Wayne guy, but I love the remake. I like absolutely love the remake. Yeah. Um, but I thought of another recommendation. Okay. <laughs> another movie you wanted to choose before and we didn't. Waking Dead Divine. Yeah. All about you know. That's actually to be a really good else. point. That's actually yeah. So uh, we we have a theme going on apparently. Yeah. But so true. Grit, we don't know original or I, I'm, I know the originals in there. I don't know if the remake. The remake is on Netflix. I'm, right I'm now. yeah, ninety okay. percent short. Uh, well, then maybe we do both and and talk about that. I'd be willing to do that. Sure. Okay. And and maybe compare old western to new western. So, and and the western divide between John Wayne and and Eastwood and. Really, that never mind. I'm gonna shout about Western Town. All I know is when we talk about the remake, it's gonna be a lot of um, you're not the beef. <laughs> be that as it may, still occupy <laughs> a lot of those impersonations. Sorry, man, can't do nothing for you. <laughs> oh, that's such a good movie. Uh, Haley Steinfeld's amazing in that. Really, she is. Everybody in that movie is amazing. So I, I can't wait to see the original. So True Grit, both the original and the remake. I don't think we really need to set that up. People have yeah. probably seen one or the other, so just check out the other. And uh, we'll be back yeah. probably next year. I can't imagine next we're going to get another one in this year. Either. Um, so, sometime next year. And yeah, we'll get talk. ready for a rip roaring good time. True. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. All right. All right, so I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm Pierce from Jersey. And I'm Dave from Jersey. And this has been Jersey Shore. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at jordan at legionofdudes.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N at legionofdudes.com. Or follow me on Twitter at Jordan F-R-M Jersey. Yeah.